I wonder what Christmas means to you. For me, Christmas has always meant a really exciting mix of kind of family and friends and great meals, lots of awesome food. But also, when I was growing up, presents. I mean, Christmas was all about presents. And of course, presents means Father Christmas. And just that excitement of waiting to see what Father Christmas would bring. And I still vividly remember being five years old, sitting at home and on Christmas Eve. And then about seven o'clock, there was a knock on the door, which is an unusual time for anyone to knock on the door. And we rushed to the door, we opened it. And there in front of our very eyes was Father Christmas himself, the actual real life Santa Claus. And he'd come around to our house and of course we welcomed him in we were thrilled we were so excited he came in he sat down in our living room on our actual sofa and um and he kind of looked around and I at first glance I was a little bit disappointed I don't know what it was I just felt like he wasn't quite as big as I remembered and not quite as tall he just looked a little different from all his kind of descriptions and portrayals and so I was a bit surprised at that and also he wasn't actually carrying a sack of presents which seemed like a a bit of a thing to forget on Christmas Eve Um, but I thought never mind and then he kind of uh, looked around the room and he said ho 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 Uh, and then he looked at me and he said do you believe in Santa? And, and I thought that was quite an odd question to ask. Firstly, because I think it's strange when anyone speaks of themselves in the third person. Like, I don't know why you do that, but I thought he's Norwegian. English is a very difficult language to learn as a second language, so I'd let him off that. Um, but then I thought, it's strange. Like, why is he asking me if I believe that he exists? Like, he's sitting right there on our sofa. Like, is he having some kind of existential crisis? Is he going through a period of doubt? Like, it didn't make much sense to me. So I thought it was a bit strange. And I just took a step towards him. And you know how when you meet a really famous person in the flesh for the first time, it's almost like you know them because you've seen depictions of them so many times. And so when you actually meet them, it's almost like you're meeting them again, like you're meeting someone you're really familiar with. Um, But as I looked at him, I thought, no, no, that's not it. I do know him. And I looked really close and I thought, this isn't Santa Claus. This is my dad's mate, Alan. And... um, (laughs) And he kind of looked and he said, uh, you know, um, what, 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 do you, would you, what would you like uh, me to give you for Christmas? And I kind of looked around at my parents and my brothers and sisters, everyone's smiling away. And I thought, are they all participating in this fraud? Like, it's ridiculous. And he said again, come on, Stephen, what, what would you like me to give you for Christmas this year? And I looked at him and I said, nothing. And he said, why is that? And I said, because I don't think you're Father Christmas. Do you, Alan? And um, <laughs> slightly melodramatic as a five-year-old. But I mean, what's the point? I mean, if he is Father Christmas, bring the presents out. Let's have a party. But if it's not, why pretend? Alan is not going to give me much apart from paint and a ladder to climb a wall. He doesn't have that gift. I mean, why, why pretend? And sometimes Christmas can feel a bit like that. It's a great story. It's sweet, a little nativity. People dressed up as shepherds. It's great. Sing little town of Bethlehem. But you can think, well, if I actually dug into it, if I actually got too close to it, it would probably disappoint. It would probably fall away. There's probably not actually much there that would make a difference to my life today. I mean, how can a baby born 2,000 years ago, 2,000 miles away, make a difference to my life here? With all that's going on, with all I'm facing. Well, only if there's something about Jesus, something about this person with this name, Jesus, that might make a difference for me today, for me with my name today. 
then it might be worth digging into. Jesus is described in the reading we heard uh, just now as being full of grace and truth. And at the moment, it feels like all of us need quite a lot of grace and truth. You know, after two years of everything that's been going on, all the disappointments, all the hope deferred, all the sadness, all the grief, we just thought, I need, I need something. Maybe, like me, you're still wearing some of the scars of the last 18 months. And you would love for something to be different this Christmas. We need truth. We can't build our lives on spin and half-truths and people just telling us what we want to hear. I want, to, I want people in my life who love me enough to tell me the truth. I want people in my life who can see me to my core and yet still put up with me, still actually like me, still actually love me. We need truth. You can't build your life on things which aren't true. But then we also need grace. Grace is forgiveness and mercy, undeserved mercy, treating people better than they deserve. And without grace, you can have the best relationship in the world, but without grace, it's not going to last very long. We need truth and grace. And actually, when we know truth and grace in a friendship or in a relationship, then actually we feel very secure. It's almost like we can be ourselves. We can take risks we can discover our true purpose. It's fascinating that all sorts of people are attracted to Jesus because they see in him grace and truth. People who are nailing it and their lives are very successful. They've done wonderful things in their work. They just seem to be smashing it in every area. They're drawn to Jesus because they know that he tells them the truth about who they really are. When lots of other people in their lives just dissemble and don't tell them what's actually going on. People who are really struggling are drawn to Jesus because they see in him a grace that cuts through the struggles and the sadness and the mistakes and the mess. And even at his birth, people were drawn to Jesus who needed grace and truth. Mary, terrified, vulnerable, carrying this baby. What a responsibility. Joseph, trusting, hoping that it's true that this baby is the saviour. The shepherds, outsiders, brought to the centre of the most important event in human history. And in the presence of Jesus, in the presence of grace and truth, it's almost like their purposes come alive in a whole new way. Like they realise who they were made to be. Like the purpose that's woven into the DNA of their lives comes to life in a new way in the presence of the one who thought them up, who wove their DNA together. Mary, a poor young woman, seemingly insignificant, entrusted with bearing and raising the saviour of the universe. God made flesh in her womb. Joseph, a carpenter from a small town, realises he's been given this awesome privilege, this responsibility of crafting this child into a family, adopting as his own the child who came to enable billions to be adopted as children of God. The shepherds, outsiders, people who no one looked to, suddenly realise they've been given something to say and sing that the whole world needs to hear. They all discover, as they come close to Jesus, 
that God has made them for a purpose and their names matter. When I got close to Jesus, I realised in a whole new way that he made me for a purpose. I, I worked as a barrister for a number of years. I loved my job. I loved doing it. It was so exciting. The closer I got to Jesus, it's almost like his truth rubbed off on me. His compassion, his grace rubbed off on me. I've represented hundreds of people over the years, probably over a thousand people accused of crimes. It's great that a few of you could make it tonight. And, um, <laughs> but when, the closer I got to Jesus, the more I had a passion for that truth, the more I had compassion on my clients, compassion on those I came alongside to speak for, to represent. And one of the great surprises of my life was the more I'd spent my whole life looking at eyewitness evidence, cross-examining eyewitnesses, seeing people come into the dock and hold up a Bible and say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And you're like, well, we'll see about that. And, and, but then the closer I got and I looked at the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life and death and resurrection, I realised this is true. This actually happened. Jesus is who he says he is, and that means he is full of grace and truth, and that means I can trust him. But that's not the only surprise I found. You see, there were things in my life that I thought meant I couldn't come close to Jesus, didn't belong anywhere near him. And what I realized was those were the very reasons he had come close to me. You know, I thought if I stepped towards Jesus, life would become very constrained and, and not much fun. But then I realised that when you're known by Jesus, when he knows you to your core and yet loves you to the sky, you encounter a whole new freedom, a whole new kind of joy. Because you know that you're fully known and yet fully loved. Said in that passage we just heard read, to those who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Those who believe, who trust in his name. What does it mean to trust in Jesus' name? Well, there's a lot in a name. Names are really significant. I used to work with a guy called Mr. Brilliant. I mean, just imagine that your whole life, every day, you're Mr. Brilliant. Imagine every time you meet someone, hello, I'm Mr. Brilliant. And everyone's like, are you? I, are you or aren't you? I mean, I don't know. It's quite something to carry around. Jesus' name was really significant, is really significant. Jesus means the Lord who saves. Jesus means the Lord who saves. Joseph was told to name him Jesus because he was going to save his people from their sins. I love how Jesus was described in that reading Emily just read as being wrapped in swaddling clothes. At his birth, wrapped in swaddling clothes. The only other time in Luke's gospel that description of wrapping is used is when Jesus has died on the cross for our sins to save us and then he's wrapped again to be placed in a tomb. And then three days later, he rose again. Wrapped at his birth, wrapped at his death, he came to die. Why? To save. To save us from the penalty we deserve, that we might know friendship with God, relationship with God, that we might be adopted as daughters and sons 
of God. You see, Jesus isn't just a janitor who clears up your life, tidies up the mess of your life a little bit. He's not a politician who tells us what we want to believe and gives us kind of half-truths and easy things that we think might make us feel better. He's a saviour. That's why he came, to save, to rescue. I was at a works party a few years ago and there was a guy there who, um, who'd worked out I had faith and that I was a Christian. And so he kind of slightly cornered me at the party and he said, I've got some questions for you. And I said, okay, far away. And he said, well, why do you believe all this stuff? And I t- tried to answer and he said, why, why, why does it make a difference to your life? What difference could it possibly make to your life? And I, I tried to answer. And he said, why should I believe it? What difference could it possibly make to my life? And those are great questions. And in the moment, I didn't know what to say. I was a bit like a deer in the headlights. And I just thought, well, I guess, you know, Jesus, Jesus means saviour. That's what his name means. And Jesus came to save. He actually came to rescue you. And his eyes went a bit wide. And he said, what? No one's told me that before. And I said, well, yeah, that, that's, that's why he came, to rescue you. And I said, I don't know if you've ever experienced being in a situation where you realise you couldn't save yourself. You were down and there was no way up. You were out and there was no way in. You were lost and you couldn't be found. And he said, yeah, I have, I have experienced that. And I said, well, then you know you need a rescuer and you're closer than you think. And he just kind of took a step back and said, oh, you see, that's what I found. I was lost, didn't deserve anything. God should have really just let me mess my life up. But Jesus came close and he found me and he restored me and he paid the price for my mistakes and my failures. And instead of judgment, he showed me mercy. Instead of punishment, he showed me forgiveness. Instead of harsh words, he restored me and showed me kindness. And I will never forget that feeling, that feeling of breathless wonder of forgiveness as long as I shall live. It still blows me away, even today, all these years later. Jesus sees you to the bottom of your soul, all of the good, all that you're proud of, all you push to the surface all that you're ashamed of, all you try and bury and hide. He sees you to the bottom of your soul and yet he loves you to the sky. And when you know that, it frees you to take risks, to discover your true purpose. I mean, sometimes you can sit there and you think, okay, well, it may be for you, but, but not for me. You don't know me. So this isn't the kind of thing that happens to people like me. I'm pretty sure Jesus didn't come to save me. I'm pretty sure he doesn't even know my name. Like I'm sure he knows the person in front of me. They look quite holy. They sung quite well during that song. You know, the person on my left, the person on my right, I'm sure he knows them. I'm sure he probably came to save them, but I can't believe he came to save me. I sometimes used to meet clients outside court uh, for the first time. And it was quite tricky because you had to work out who they were, but you couldn't just kind of guess and go up to people. So the easiest way of doing it was just to walk around the court building and to shout out their names. You'd just kind of say, you know, whatever, whatever, and shout their name. And one time I was representing a guy who was 
uh, wanted for trial in Poland for corruption offences. And so he, they were trying to extradite him and I was representing him. And, um, and his name was Mr. Jones. So I was just walking around the side of the court saying, Mr. Jones, Mr. Jones, Mr. David Jones, I'm here to represent you, Mr. Jones. And eventually this guy put his hand up and came over and he said, oh, hi. And I said, hello, I'm your barrister. I'm representing you. He said, great. I said, take a seat. I sat down. I said, look, I've got to be honest with you. It's my job as a barrister. I've got to tell you it completely straight. I said, the facts are against us. They're very tricky. The law is complicated. The odds don't look good. He said, oh, and I said, yeah, I'm really sorry, but you need to prepare yourself. I think you are going to have to go and stand trial in Poland. And he kind of, his eyes went wide. He said, really? And I said, yeah, I I know it's a bit of a shock. It's a bit of a shock, but I've got to tell you that. That's my job. You're going to have to go to Poland to stand trial, I think. I'll do my best, but I think that's going to happen. And he looked completely crestfallen. He, he put his head down. He said, I just don't understand. I don't understand. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, I was only going 40 in a 30 zone. Why have I got to go to Poland? I said, I said you Mr. David Jones? He said, no, I'm Darren. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, um, um, don't worry, you'll be fine. I, um, I'm just going to... Sure, he felt a lot better about his three points. £60 fine after that. What about if tonight someone is calling your name and it's not a mistake and it's good news, the best of news and they're calling your name. You know, you might have thought, well, this Christmas I wanted something that would make a difference. What if you thought you were searching for God and God was actually searching for you? What if tonight, as you take a step towards Jesus, you discover that he already knows your name and is taking a step towards you and that in him, this Christmas, you might find a hope that is greater than anything you've longed for your whole life? a joy that wells up within you and changes every season of your life. The breathless wonder of forgiveness and a purpose that comes from encountering the very person who thought you up before one of your days came to be. Jesus means saviour. He came for you to save you, because he loves you. Amen.